0: As we get started this morning, this is the f- month of February. Do you know what February is well known for? We know Valentine's Day. Thank you. Hallmark month, a month of love. Ooh. You know, right? Ooh, well, I want to talk. I want. I want to talk about uh, the title of this is going to be Paul's love language. Today's the introduction. Okay. And I doing that, but I was I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with the book by Gary Chapman here, "The Five Love Languages," OK? And I was reading this, and because it's interesting, and I want to know what's what and what everybody's thinking and so forth. And I got to thinking about this issue about what, he's, what he is saying here, and I'm not going to read from it, and, and I'm, I'd have nothing against the book. I, actually, the book's very well. Uh, written it's got great ideas and so forth it's just driven by emotion because love is an emotion now if you've been with us here the last couple weeks we've been studying about your makeup and your emotions sit in you and your soul but your emotions are dumb aren't they? they i mean you you just they they are you know i know i'm not supposed to use the s word but they're stupid And that's what they are, And because what happens? One moment, everything's going well, and then something happens, and then they're over here, and you're over here, and your just emotions begin to take over, and they begin to take control. But emotions are wonderful. They're They're, God-given. They are there in you because God needs you to have them. But they're there. Their design is to be operated and, and to be ruled and to be functioned and to be driven by your heart, your will, you make a decision, and we're going to do this, and your emotions, E, motion, mo, your emotions go and tell the body to go get, get and going. So when they're adequately all in place, okay, and they're being run underneath the proper setting, emotions are wonderful. You know, there's five love languages he goes through. We're going to talk a little bit about each as we go over the next couple weeks here, but yeah, I, I should say we are and we're not. I, I, don't get, I don't teach somebody else's book. I teach the book. And we're going to go from there, okay? But when you think about it and you begin to look at these, it talks about this emotion. And you know what happens? Several years ago, we had a marriage seminar. And, and one of the gentlemen says, I'm not coming to it. I said, you're not. By the way, this guy's wife showed up. He didn't. Well, that's not the idea of a marriage seminar. The idea is for both couples, uh, spouses, to be there. So he says, because in every one of these, the men are wrong and the women get away with murder. And I'm like, well, not in mine. So you ought to come. So they did, but we did. And I was thinking about that, and we looked at issues of how to handle and the roles and so forth. But then, what's the next step? Because there's always a next step, and this issue about about love and about a love language okay and I just wanted to again we're gonna go to Paul we're gonna go to Scripture because what sits outside of you and I Scripture does what isn't worried about how you feel or think about it it's gonna tell us what the truth at every time so when we when we get th- going here I, again I've read the book I and I, I'm not a, against the book It just focuses in on your emotional side. And I want you to focus in on on your thinking side. And as you begin to think about some of this, have it come and work inside of you because just as your emotions are fickle up and down, the Word of God is consistent and it's solid at every time. It's stable. And Paul, I'll be honest with you, Paul instructs us to have. A love language. He instructs us to have a certain attitude about one another that is beyond the marriage relationship. But it also includes the marriage relationship. Paul was going to use terms like esteem. He's going to use the term brotherly love. He'll use the term charity. Oh, wait till we get to charity. Oh my goodness. The new Bibles change charity to the word love and they destroy charity. Because charity is, well, we'll get to it here in a little bit, okay? <laughs> He's going to use a term or a phrase one another. There's 20 times he uses that term one another in instructions to the reader and how they are to be behaving with who? One another. It's fascinating. It's something that's very instructive. It's also something that the author says, and I know that when you begin to talk about marriage and love and stuff, you, begin, you get out there on thin ice because everybody's got this preconceived conception about it and so forth. And, I'm, and I know I'm on thin ice, and that's fine. I'm, I'm a good swimmer if I fall through. But the thing is, is when you come to Scripture, there is, this isn't thin ice. This is solid ground. The problem is, is who makes it difficult? Scripture or you? You do. Because it doesn't fit with how I was raised. It doesn't fit with what I believe it to be. It doesn't fit. So it's got to be wrong. And when you come in and you begin to look at this, you go, wow, wait a second. I'm wrong. You're You're in Philippians 2, right? Flip back to Ephesians 5 just real quick here. I know I have it to go back to it, and we will. But, well, you know what? Just stay in Philippians 2. Let's stay the course, okay? Philippians 2. We're going to go to Ephesians 5, okay? I'm just telling you. You got the handout, the little handout there, so, or the overhead. Look at Philippians 2. Let's look at verse 5. Let's just get into this. Ephesians 2.5. I'm sorry, Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 2, 6. Who? Everybody says, okay, so from verse 6, 7, and 8, here's what it is to have the mind of Christ. I'm going to tell you there's more to it than just that. There's actually the verses before it. Verse 1, 2, 1. There's a thinking process. When he says here to let this mind, that that we are to have a mindset that Christ has, and as he's, as Paul's going to, Come and tell us what that mindset is. And we do get the details and we see it in real tangible evidence evidence in verse 6, 7, and 8. And we're going to go down through it here. But in verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. There is a mindset. There is a thinking pattern here. Come back to chapter 1 of Philippians. Chapter 1, look at verse 9. Chapter 1, verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent. Do you see that thing about that your love may abound? In in what? Knowledge. And in judgment. And in approval. That is not the mushy-gushy, feely, touchy stuff. That is an attitude. That is a thinking process. That's a process that comes along and says doesn't do the five languages of love. It says, here's how you are to think. We'll go back to Philippians 2. How am I going to think about this? I'm going to take this thinking process, and I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to embrace it because it's the mind of Christ. It's how Christ thinks about it. And how did he think about it? We sang that song, love lifted what? You. Who did that? You didn't do it. You were sinking. And he did what? He came over and died for you. Romans 5 verse 8, but God committed his love towards you. His love, God's love, by doing what? Dying for you. Man, what an illustration. What an example of a love language. To come over and to die some for, for someone and be willing to do it. And that someone was his enemy, was an ungodly person, was a sinner. Well, I just don't want to do it because it's not what I'm told. My mama told me, you know, baloney, blah, blah, blah. No, what's the word? What's this mind? There's a mindset that we're to embrace with one another. Yes, in the marriage, husbands and wives. Yes, with the children. Yes, with the family. Yes, in all of that that we've studied in, in Ephesians 5 and 6 and so forth. But more importantly, with each other. Verse 1, Philippians 2 verse 1. If there be, therefore, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Boy, think about that. Comfort. Consol. If. The if here is a challenge. It isn't, well, maybe it is or maybe it's not. It's a a challenge. And since you are in Christ, there's a consolation. There's an encouragement in Christ. There's comfort in Christ. There's acceptance in Christ. There's a fellowship. There's a a partnership in Christ. There's bowels. That's that inner recesses down deep inside. Those inner feelings that are to be there. Fulfill ye my joy. That ye be what? Like-minded. See, there's to be a like-mindedness here having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. There's a mindset, like-minded, same love, one accord, one mind. All of this thinking process, this mind of Christ, he's got one thing on his mind, and that's the obedience to the Word of the Father. It's a dependence on what the Word of God says to him, for him to go and to do. That's why in verse 6, 7, and 8, you see the description of it. But what I want you to catch is that mindset didn't just come out of the blue. That mindset has been all along amongst the Godhead. There's three people that make up the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They are three individual people, essence of God. The easiest way to understand the Godhead is look around our room right here, right now. We are all human. That's who we are. We're human beings. Some of us are men. Some of us are women. Some of us are old. Some of us are young. Some of us are ugly. Some of us are good looking. Some of us—oh, I got a rumble there, didn't I? Okay, I wondered if I'd get caught in some of that. But what what happens? It's a good thing y'all don't look like me. It wouldn't be bad, but it's a good thing. Okay, what are we? We're different, aren't we? Some, some have a different personality than others. The Godhead's the same way. You have three distinctive individuals that make up the Godhead. And you know what they do? They think about each other this way. The mind of Christ didn't just come out of nowhere. It's always been there. Look at verse 3. Think Now read verse 3 and 4 here. And think about this with the Godhead. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. What, if, what does the Godhead think about each other? Here's the father. What does he do with the son? Does he have strife and vainglory or does he esteem him? He esteems him. In John, we're not going to run these verses. We will later. But in John, the Lord looks at the Father. He's talking to the Father, and he says, Restore me back to the glory that we had back there, way back in the beginning. I want that back. I want that relationship. The Lord's hanging on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, intimate relationship. Esteeming one, no, no, vain, no strife, no vainglory. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. He's, the son says, the father says, son, I want to make you the best son. And the son says, I want to make you the best father. And the father says to the Holy Spirit, I want to make you the best. And the spirit says, I want to make you the best. And this, this interchangeable love and living for each other. No strings attached. Why? They don't have sin. They don't have the curse, the mark. We do. But you know what? You can choose, Romans 6 says, you can choose to be servants of righteousness. You choose that. You can choose to take everything we're going to look at over the next three, four weeks, and you can say, nope, don't want to do it, bow your back. Or you can say, you know what? I think I'll start embracing this mentality, this thinking process. A steaming See that word, esteem? Wow, what a word. Esteeming. The Godhead thinks of each other this way. So if Paul in verse 5 says, let the mind of Christ be in you, what's the mind of Christ? This esteeming of one another. This esteeming. And I'll be honest with you, folks, husbands and wives, the place this is to be put on display is in your marriage, where you're esteeming the other better than yourself. When we studied that in Ephesians 5 and, those, and the roles. By the way, we're not talking about roles here. We're talking just an attitude towards each other. The roles are in Ephesians 5. When you signed up, when you said, I do, put a ring on it. It's your, she's yours, and he, he's yours, ladies. I'm sorry. Okay? When you say that, when you say, yes, I do, and I, let's get married, you're signing on to participate in the roles that God designed on the On the table of creation in Genesis 1. That a husband, by the way, a husband or wife, saved or unsaved, is to behave this way. Well, Rick, when we got married, we weren't saved. Doesn't matter. You're saved now. Now you know what God says about it. So let's get that fixed. Because before in your unsaved condition, how were you living? Just how you saw your mom and dad live. You know, your parents influence you the greatest. So, if you're a parent, know that those little dudes watch you and suck it up. They see it. I tell the folks, the young folks, as they get married, you're going to take what your mom and dad taught you, and you're going to take what your mom and dad taught you, and you're going to bring them together, and you're going to make a new identity. And it's going to look like you guys. It won't look like those couples, it looks like you. In that relationship, The best place to esteem one another better than themselves is where? Right there. Look at verse 5, verse 3. Esteem. What is that? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Somebody asked me one time, do you ever get nervous when you preach? I said, every time. Right now I got butterflies coming up because of the subject matter. (laughs) Okay? Okay? I'm not trying to tell you to go and be like Rick and Linda. Not at all. I would never tell you that. You need to be like you guys are, but you need to have this mentality, this thinking. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, look at verse 13. That issue of to esteem. And to esteem them very what? Highly. In love's sake, love for their work's sake. That issue of esteem, high regard, high value. When the father looks at the son, he doesn't look at him and say, ah, he's nothing. He says, no, there's my son. He's going to go and do what needs to be done. When they look over at the spirit, the comforter, they say, there he is. Look at him. He's wonderful. When the Lord sits there, go back to Philippians 2. When the Lord sits there and he's being baptized by John and the dove descends and it's the Holy Spirit. And you know what that is? That's a wonderful thing where the Spirit is expressing joy and gratitude over the Son and what He's doing. That's esteeming each other. That's looking at the subject matter, the the situation, whatever it is, and saying, you know what, their rights, their feelings, their desires are what I'm going to push forward first. No matter what role you're in, we have single folks. You have roles as a single person. You have a great opportunity, by the way, to fall in love with the Lord. And to serve the Lord. When you get married, you kind of have other things come on: house, car, kids, jobs, you know. Life stinks, man. Just, right? Okay? But what when you talk, when you come here, look at look at Philippians 2. Just, just watch this. Each member love for the other, no matter what. When you begin to esteem each other better than yourself. What are you doing? You're doing verse 4. You're looking not every man on his what? Own things. Husbands, wives, we'll talk right here to you guys because this is an easy illustration. He's talking to everybody in Philippians. We tend to think about who? Ourself, don't we? My wife looks at me and she says, what would you like for dinner? That's an easy question, isn't it? You know, deep down, I could care less what we eat as long as we what? Eat. Let's eat, you know. What is she doing by asking? She's being considerate, we would say, right? If she's slopped on the beans and the ham, I would love that. That would be fine. But if she did, it, and I wanted bacon sandwiches, how? what would my response be? How should my response be? Where's the bacon? I wanted bacon. Right, 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 right. I knew a guy one time. Oh, I shouldn't say this. I won't. No names, okay? I knew a guy one time. Him and his wife were fighting. I mean, fighting like cats and dogs. He came home one evening. He he wanted when he came home, he wanted his dinner. Moment he walked in the door from work, on a hot plate, plate hot on the plate right there, waiting for him, hot. Now you know how hard that is, but that was his demand. You know why? Because that's what his dad did to his mom. So you know what happens when he gets home and it ain't there? He doesn't highly esteem his wife, does he? He's thinking about his own stuff, isn't he? How dare you? And takes the plate and throws it across the room. Not at her, but throws it across the room. I get this phone call from her, from the lady. Hey, you know, I need help. I'm like, duck? What do you mean help? You know? But what happened was, was, what was he? He was failing to do, verse 4. He was failing to have the mind of Christ work in him personally. And then it trickled down into, and they worked it out, and they've been happily married ever since. Three kids and a successful family life and so forth. But it struggled. Why? Didn't have the proper thinking process. Do you follow that? It's a stupid illustration, a little, not stupid, but no S words. I'm sorry. Look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you. What kind of mindset? Esteeming others better than themselves. Not looking out for my own. By the way, husbands, wives, (laughs) if you're looking out for your spouse, you're going to naturally do this. If you're not looking out for your spouse, you won't do this. What he's saying. And as a, sp- as a spouse, if I wonder, are they looking out for my well being, my interest, then now I'm on what? Eggs and pins. I, I don't know how to behave. When we look through those roles, I told you guys the wives, their goal is how do I make him, my husband, the best. Husband, he can be husbands. How do I make my wife the best? How you do that is understanding the roles that they play. They're just roles, but you chose to be in them. By the way, this has nothing to do whether you're in Christ or not in Christ. I said that a minute ago. It's because this is how God designed it. I hear people, ah, oh, he's just my brother, or sister in Christ. That has nothing. If 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 that's the case, let's say that's the case. They are my brother and sister in Christ. Then you know how you'll behave two, three, and four. That's how you'll behave. And that will trickle into life as we know it. Okay? I got way ahead. Sorry. Go back to verse 6. Who we are in Christ, we're able to do something. We're able to have his mindset. And Paul tells us to do it by the way. This is not an if, and then, maybe, maybe. No, this is a do this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God? Who was he? He's God. That's who he was. He sits there and he says, I am Jehovah. By the way, you know what the Father says? I'm Jehovah. You know what the Holy Spirit says? I'm Jehovah. Why? Because they're all God. He didn't have any problem with being God, did he? Not a problem. And you know what? The Father and the Spirit had no problem with him being God. They got along. They didn't fight. There's no strife or vainglory. There's, hey, who are you? Let's go there. That's who we are. Who being th- thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Now watch the thinking here. But made himself. The Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, made a decision of his own volition, his own will. He made a choice in his thinking to go and to do something. To go and to be in complete obedience to the word of the Father. Notice that verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. Form. You know what it is to take the shape of? It's an outward manifestation. Colossians 2 calls him the Godhead bodily. You want to see the Godhead in human form? You look at the Lord Jesus Christ. There he is. He shared all all the glory of being God. He shared it all. But he says, you know what? I'm going to make a decision to go do something else. I'm going to go and take on the form of a servant. Now, is the servant the boss, or is he the little worker bee down here? He's a servant. By the way, the New Bibles make this bond servant. He was not a slave. A bond servant is a slave. So, Chuck the New Bibles. He did what? He says, I'm going to go and serve. Whose servant was he? He He's a servant of the Father, Isaiah calls him. And was made in the likeness of... He outwardly manifested a willing and obedient servant. So the Father was to be in charge. And his will, that's why in the garden he says, not my will, but thy will be done. Could the Lord, the, oh, you guys, this is so wonderful. Come on, come on over. Matthew, I know it's not on there. Matthew 26, Matthew twenty Folks, when you begin to think, and by the way, we have the mind of Christ. Paul says it to the Corinthians. He says it to you and I. We have the mind of Christ in two manners. One, we have the written word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We have His mind right there. But then we also have the indwelling of the Godhead. So we have His mind inside of us. And as we take the sound doctrine and as we put it in there, it begins to adjust our thinking. If you're reading three chapters a day of Romans to Philemon, your thinking is naturally being adjusted. And you know what you begin to do? You begin to esteem others better than yourself. You quit being ornery and yeah, selfish. You start thinking about others and how to do Look at Matthew 26. You get there? Look at verse 53. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father? This is the Lord talking. And he shall presently send me more than 12 legions of angels. Look at what he says. Do you think, here, here, Matthew 20, did I tell you right? 26, 53. Here he is. He's going to Calvary. He's going to go die. And he says, don't you think the Father and I have been talking to each other about how this could pass and not happen? And don't you think that the Father has scoured the pages of the universe to find a loophole that didn't require his son to go and die? Don't you think if I said the word, the Father would come and deliver me from this predicament? But look at the next verse. But how then shall the, what? Scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be. Do you see what's controlling the moment? The Scriptures are. The word of, the, of God is. The word of the Father is. And the word, come back there to Philippians 2. The word of the Father says, I need you to go and do this, son. And the son says, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. When can we do it? And he says, hang on. We've got to get there for a minute. It's a few thousand years away. And he's like, no, let's go now. He's excited to do it. He's willing to do it. He wants to do it. Why? Because it's the scriptures. It's the word of his father. By the way, the word of his father said, if you go and die for humanity, I will resurrect you. You will not see death. So the father's in charge. Philippians 2. The son says, I won't won't say, I want to do it my way. I'm going to say we're doing it the father's way. I'm getting somewhere. Hang on with me, okay? Some of you are getting restless. It's only been 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Come on, calm down. Okay, a half hour. Some of you are looking at the watch. <laughs> then what does he say? Verse Philippians 2, 7. In the likeness of what? Of men. men was, man was created, Hebrews says, a little lower than the angels. You know what? He says, I'm going to take the form of a servant, but I'm going to go and get the lowest Servant, I can find, and that's man. And I'm going to come in humanity. And I'm going to come and I'm going to do for humanity what humanity couldn't do for itself. Verse 8 And being found in, notice that word, fashion. Do you know what a fashion show is? You do what? You strut your stuff. Okay? You put on clothes that you would probably never own, and you walked, You put on an outward manifestation here, don't you? And he fashioned himself as a man. He goes through everything you do. Hebrews says that he was tempted in all points common to man. There's three major points that you're tempted in as a man, as human, I should say. He was there. He went through them all. But because he had no sin, he was able to get through it. (laughs) You and I, we have that little sin problem. We got that little Ken to Adam problem. We don't get there. We mess up. We make mistakes. That's okay. Why? Because we're to have his thinking about it. And you know what his thinking was? Hey, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make it. And the reason I make it is because the word of the Father says, I make it. Do you know how you... Do you know why... If you're in Christ here this morning, you are forgiven, you're accepted, you will, ha- you will one day be seated in the heavenly places in reality. Do you know why? Because the Word of God says so. That's why. The Word of the Father on the matter is true. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, to have an hour or three to go through that thinking. Think about the Godhead. They've never died. They've always been. They've never experienced death until who showed up? Until the son said, I'll go and do. Father, I'll go do what you said because I trust your word that you'll resurrect me. And spirit, I'm trusting you to be right there with me. And the father says, that a boy? The spirit says, that a boy? And off they go. Paul says, Paul says, You know what? You're to have the same thinking. You're to have that same thinking process. Now, you're not God, and you can't go die for the world. But what you can do, verse 3. 2-3. What can you do? I can esteem others better than themselves. I can look at my wife, and I can say, you know what? You're my wife. I love you. You're the mother of my children, but I need you to be the best person That you can be. Notice I didn't say best wife. I said what? Best person. I need you to be the best sister in Christ that I have. Come over to 1 Thessalonians 4. I need you to be all that you can be. And I'm going to do my best to get you there. That's an attitude. It's a thinking process that we're to have. The Godhead has it. And we're to have the same thinking process that the Godhead does. 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians is probably Paul's first book he ever wrote. Galatians and Thessalonians is the big debate, okay? First Thessalonians four, 1 Thessalonians 4.1, he says, Furthermore, I love that, furthermore, more stuff. <laughs> then we beseech you. Boy, beseeching isn't begging you. A beseechment is, you see all this stuff that you have in Christ? Based on that, let's come over here and do this. Based on all that you are in Christ, let's come over here and do this. I beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound, what? See the as and so? Colossians, he says, As ye have been taught, so do ye. As ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God. You got the doctrine from us. So what I'm going to ask you now is to abound more and more. Verse 9, But as touching brotherly love. Ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. See the love and the one another. See that concept coming through here now? These terms. And indeed, verse 10, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. Do you you realize that you can love someone and, and have charity toward them? And the scripture says you need to increase that. As Linda and I grow older in our marriage relationship, and as the kids move and we get into the, the 30s, years, and so forth, you know what happens? That's a little different than the first day I saw her. Man, the first day I saw her, I picked up everything. I mean, I literally was like, boom, down on the ground. Not physically, just, emo, you know, I was like, wow, okay. Man, catch my breath. I find the pictures. We've been cleaning out the garage. I'm finding old pictures of the kids when they're little and her and I and so forth. And I'm like, wow, that's a hot mama right there. Woo. You know, <laughs> stick that one back over in the wallet again. You know, I forgot it. <laughs> why isn't dynamite in my wallet? You know, why? Because that's what? That's the infatuation. That's the growth. That's the, the emotion. That's everything. We're almost 30 years now. You know what? She's changed. I've changed better looking today but anyway i what has happened over those years life the struggle of raising three kids under the age of two the struggle of losing a twin birth, the struggles of life and you what you do is you get together and you go through them together and you come out over here and you know what you go you go man i could never live without her even though she just served me slop for dinner i really wanted the bacon lettuce and tomato Okay But what got you there was an increase of abounding more and more, of esteeming others better than yourself. It's looking over and saying, "You know what? I, I have the opportunity in this relationship that I have with my wife, my sister in Christ, my companion, I have that opportunity. To make her the best person, member of the body of Christ that she can be. Yes, she's my wife, and yes, we have roles, and yes, we play those roles the best we can. Oh, by the way, yes, we stub our toes, and we have fights, and we have disagreements. But what's the ultimate goal? Esteeming other better than. Why? Because that's the mind of Christ. And that's what I'm to have. 1 Corinthians 2 there, verse 16, Paul says we have the mind of Christ. We do, folks. Again, word of God and dwelling in you. You take the word, put it in you, and it becomes out through you. So as we move forward here, and as we kind of work through these love languages of Paul, It starts right here in Philippians 2 with you understanding that how Christ thought in the realm of the Godhead is how you and I are to be thinking in the realm of the body of Christ, specifically here at the local church level, here at your family, here. Think, I I try to illustrate this. You think about a mom and her child. The natural defense mechanisms of mom with her child. Mama bear. (laughs) Right? Why is that? There's something natural there, isn't there? That's why it's unnatural when you hear about mom killing her kids. It's unnatural. That's what Romans 1 is all about. They've given over the natural. It's unnatural. But why? Because there's a bond there. There's a movement there. There's a, hey, if you mess with that kid, I'm going to clock you into next week. And I don't care if you're dad or not. You know, boom. You know, they... That's a what? It's a natural. So you know what needs to happen? The esteeming of one another needs to be natural. Because it's coming from an internal issue of who you are in Christ. Come over, Come over to Galatians 6. So as we move through here, again, folks, it starts here with you. It starts in your thinking. It, then it moves into your marriage. Then it moves into family, if you have family. Then it moves into that around about you. And when we esteem someone, we're placing a high value on that person. Holding that person in a high opinion. Setting a high value about them. Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul, here's kind of the idea of verse 10, if you will. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. That's a good good command, isn't it? But finish the verse, because the verse didn't end. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So guys, if you're married and your wife's in Christ, is she of the household of faith? Then what should you be doing? Let's do good unto her. Ladies, your husband's in Christ. You ought to be doing good unto him. What's the good? Esteeming. Holding them in high value. We're to hold each other in this high esteem. Now, Galatians 6, we're into the local assembly, okay? But you take that and you begin to apply it to your the details of life. Come over to 2 Corinthians 5. We're to hold each other in high esteem. By the way, not because they're such good people. Not because they're a good guy. Not because she's the most beautiful thing that's ever walked through the back doors, front doors. We're to do that because of who we are in Christ. And when we see each other, and we esteem each other, well, 2 Corinthians 5.14, here's our thinking. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Notice the two classes of people listed, dead and alive. How You're dead in trespasses and sins. How would you get alive if you're in that class? You trusted Christ at Calvary and his finished work. That makes you alive. And because that makes you alive, He gave you His life. He gave you His identity. He gave you who you are in Him. He makes you acceptable. He makes you righteous. He forgives you. He does all of this to you. And you learn that. And then you go and apply that to your life. And you put it into the details of your life. And when that happens, you become that new creature. When that happens, you know what you begin to do? You begin to th- quit thinking. Paul tells Titus, You such were the Corinthians, such were you sometimes. You're not that way anymore. You're this. Let's think this way. Let's think about this this way. Now come to Ephesians 5. Let's think about each other th- in this manner. Well, By the way, we will spend some time looking at the one-anotherings of Paul. Again, there's 20 very specific ones that he uses. There's over a hundred and something times he uses that phrase, another. <laughs> but when he puts it together, it starts with us esteeming one another higher and better than ourselves. When we look across and we say, I'm not trying to get, I'm trying to help. I'm not trying to gain. I'm trying to help as a husband, as a wife, as whatever, as a single person. By the way, if you're single, keep it up. (laughs) Good job. Way to go. The thing of it is, though, is God says marriage is a good thing as well. Anyway, Ephesians 5. I'll get off the single, folks, okay? Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, verse 18, we start this, and B, uh, uh, verse... uh, Whoa, that's not the verse. 518, and be not drunk with wine, but but, uh, wherein his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We talked about being filled with the Spirit. And when Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit, that is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of God be what dictates your life in every facet he then describes in verse 19, 20, and 21, you as the individual. You have the responsibility. You have volition. You have free will. You have the choice to make in the matter to allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly, to let the mind of Christ be what drives you, to look across there and esteem the other better than themselves. And when that's not happening, you made the choice for it not to happen. Yeah, but Rick, you don't know her. She didn't. No, you made the choice okay that's what 18, 19, 20, 20 or 19, 20, 21 is all about you're making the choice again you're single you're in verse 8, 19, 20, and 21 you're making that choice you're making the choice on how you behave yeah but Rick he just does this to me I no you make the choice if you say Rick I have a problem with you who has the problem you do I don't have a problem. You have the problem. You're making the choice. So you can choose to have inner harmony, verse 16, and inner tranquility. I'm I'm sorry, verse 19, verse 20. You make the choice to give thanks. But look at verse 21, because that's the one I'm after. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. By the way, then verse 22 is wives, verse 25 is husbands, and so forth. Before you got married, you make the decision to do what? Verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another. You make that choice. You make the choice to not do it. So when problems arise, and they arise, don't go check the other person's meter, check whose meter yourself first. Because you've chosen submitting yourselves one to another. That issue of submission, because what does he say to the wives? Verse 22. Wives, what? Submit. But wait a minute, I don't want to submit to that guy. He's a jerk. He's everywhere. Every. Yeah, but you married him. You said I do to him. You took the ring. But if you're already submitting in attitude, and in thought to each other, then for a wife, submission becomes a natural thing. So if a wife is struggling with submission, and we've talked about this, I'm not going to rehash the roles. If a wife is struggling with that, you know why? It's because they're not in verse 21 to begin with. They're not in Philippians 2, 3. They're in, I want to do it my way. And I don't give a care in the world about what you say, husband. I'm doing it my way. What does the language of love in Paul say? No. You're to be thinking about the other. Husbands, if you're not doing your job, if you're not in your role, what are you doing? You're not in verse 21. See, verse 21 is a scattergun. It hits everybody. It covers everything. That's, how, that's where we are to be thinking. That's the goal. The goal is Philippians 2, 3, esteeming other better than themselves. And that leads us to one more, ver- one more word, if you will, Come over to 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1. Again, my job is to be a helper of your joy. I don't want to have dominion over your faith. I will help you as you need. But it starts in your decision for yourself. Because that's where you're accountable. Paul says that one day we will all stand before the judgment seat. I can just imagine the judgment seat of Christ... And then somebody, he made me do it, just like Eve in the garden, or Adam in the garden. The woman made me do it. You, uh, and the woman says, "Nope, the devil made me do it." You that, know. That's what's gonna. I can just see that. I, I know that's not what's going to happen, but I can just see somebody say, "Well, Lord, I could have been a better guy if that woman just wasn't a." And you know, the, you know, I could just see the Lord go mute. <laughs> Are you done? Yap. You know, as you yap, you know, and I know it's not happening that way. I just, you can see the Lord in His humor. 1 Timothy 1, verse number 5 is one more that we'll look at. Now, the end of the commandment is what? Charity. Notice what the end of the commandment is. Charity. And it's going to be charity out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, and out of faith, unfeigned. And that issue of charity, it's a fascinating thing. You only read a little bit about it. Come back to Colossians 3. In Paul's epistles... But it's instantly in the pastoral epistles in Timothy because that's where the issue of godliness is discussed and the doctrine of godliness is taught. Look at Colossians 3, just real quick, verse 14. Well, verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Do you see that list in 12 and 13? If you're esteeming others better than yourself, you'll do that list without even thinking about it. It's when you're sitting there going, I'm going to get even with him or her or them, then you don't do this verse. If you're esteeming others, if you've got the mind of Christ and the thought process of, of not, again, not being walked all over. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about looking at it and saying, well, how can I make them better? Now watch verse 14. And above all these things, there's something even greater than forgiveness, forbearance, kindness, love, mercy, humbleness, meekness, long. And you know what it is? Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. In Paul's epistles, that issue of being perfect is mature. You know what Paul's saying there? He's saying, you know what you're to put on? You're to put on that bond of perf- of maturity. And where that comes from is it starts with you acknowledging and recognizing and understanding and putting into practice the mind of Christ. The esteeming others better than themselves. And you know what that leads to? Godliness. It leads to charity. By the way, charity is not love. When somebody says that, just put your fingers in there and wait for their mouth to quit and then open up again. Because it's not, it's much deeper. Than that, I read a guy one time, he says, oh, it's agape love. You mean a guppy love? Well, what's that? Well, it's supposed to be the deep love between God and man. How's your love for God weighing every day? How's that doing? It's up and down, isn't it? Well, because one of the definitions of charity in the commentaries is our love for God. I don't think he likes that. <laughs> Charity's something much deeper. So as we kind of begin to think about Paul's love language, As we think about our relationships, one another, marriage, family, friends, the world, we are to have the mindset that Christ had. And that is to come along and to place himself in direct obedience to the Word of God. In his life and in his doings and in his ministry. Paul calls that the faith of Christ. And when we do what he did, which was esteem others better, do you remember the Lord washing the feet of the disciples? And Peter says, not so, Lord, I I need to do it. You need to sit, we need to do you. And he goes, no, this is my version, okay? Just, I need you to see what a servant looks like. And so he does it. And he demonstrates to them what a servant would look like. You know why? Because those are guys, they're men, and you know what they thought? They're getting fat heads about leading in the in the kingdom. And he had to bring them, humble them back down. That's the sin part. As we begin to think about this and think and look through, take your concordance. Look for the, the word another, A-N-O-T-H-E-R. Look for the word esteem. It's fascinating what you begin to study and to read. But it all starts with Philippians 2. Now there's a reason why he tells the Philippians that and not every, you know, not in another book. That's because you know what they were doing? They were fighting. They were arguing. They were at each other. They were terrified by their their emotions were running the day. And he was bringing them back to reality. We need to have the mind of Christ, that place that he had, that he took himself. Became a servant. And he was obedient to the death of the cross. The attitude, mental attitude that he had to go and do it. We're to have that. We're to have it with each other first. Then we're to have it with each other in our relationships. Think about that. That song we sang, Love Lifted Me, was more than just a, ooh, here's 12 dozen roses. Here's a little candy. It was, I have to go do this because the scriptures have to be fulfilled. Even though they're sinners. They hate me. They're my enemy. I still love them, and I'm still going to die for them. Boy, what an attitude that we can have in our own lives. It's tremendous. Okay? It starts in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. And that's where we need to start. All right? Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that we have in your Son. We thank you for who we are in your Son, ultimately. And Lord, I just pray that we would take the heart, the esteeming of each other, the one anothering, that will ultimately lead to that bond of charity that we're to have, that bond of godliness that we're to have. In your name we pray. Amen. Start preaching another.